When Bankadelic made its maiden podcast voyage in March, Jason Hendricks talked about banking and the coronavirus. It's been one of our most popular episodes to date, but six months later and 200,000 lives lost, Financial Services is in an entirely different position trying to figure out how to navigate what I've called the new abnormal. In this special episode of Bankadelic, we asked 12 experts to weigh in about what's changed in banking since the coronavirus hit and what we need to do to move forward. From the studios of Karma Productions Worldwide in Chicago, this is Lou Carlozo's Bankadelic. Bankadelic, the colorful side of finance, where we supply expert views riff on the news, innovate, and investigate actionable insights unscripted. Banking with a caffeine kick. I'm your host, Lou Carloso, inviting you to sit back, grab a cuppa, kick up your feet. Here we go. Thanks for tuning into this special episode of Bankadelic. And wow, (laughs) who knew we would have to revisit this topic of banking and the coronavirus. But Six months into the pandemic, we still have to wear our masks. We still have to regard this as a very real danger. The United States has more cases of COVID-19 than any nation in the world by far. And we're heading into the flu season in just a few short weeks. That's a lot to think about just from a personal point of view. From a financial services point of view, it's just as weighty and in many ways just as stunning. This week, we're privileged to have people from across the financial services sphere talking about what they've seen as a result of COVID and where we are now heading into that home stretch of 2020. We're also really pleased to have two other members of the Contrarian New Media podcast family on this week's episode. Dave Wallace, who is one of the co-hosts of Dave and Darm Demystify in London, England, and Rob Gaynor, who is the host of The Fantagonist, which comes to you from Austin, Texas. This week, let's begin at the beginning. In that first episode, we talked to Jason Hendricks as he reflected on what COVID meant back in March. Here's what he said then, followed by what he observes today. I will gladly play a lawyer and sometimes regulator and definitely a compliance person on TV. Epidemiologist, I will not play and will leave part of that to the experts. But here's what I do know. And when I lean back on the military training, having spent time at the military academy and what does well in crisis and maybe has spent most time in crisis management, having been a multi-time startup founder, is... You know, whether we're over or underreacting, what we do know today is the spread of information is happening faster than the true data we have that's underlying it. So to say, you know, is this more or less contagious, more or less fatal than the flu? I don't know that we actually know. But what we do know is financial services are an essential function and can't just go on holiday. Now, 265 days into January 2020, as Jason puts it, here's what he sees. And for all of the peril, there is progress. We've proven that many things we say that can never be done, well, they can in fact be done. Remote work, dependence on the branch, use of cloud. Digital actually supports human interaction, not replaces it. 
And you know what? Customers do care about friction. Customers will also migrate to digital if they can, in fact, get done what they need to without going to the branch. Here's what we're hearing from many FIs. The crisis caused them to pull forward their digital agenda. That's table stakes at this point. Pulling your digital agenda forward is a defensive play, prolonging the end game. The sorting hat of who will be the winner and the loser is unfolding at a rapid rate due to COVID. What we're learning from our members at Alloy Labs Alliance is that the thing that will distinguish the winners is the fact they are questioning fundamental beliefs about the industry and themselves. So there we have one of our salient COVID-19 themes. The difference between winners and losers is questioning what can be done and being willing to stretch. Next up, we have Rob Gaynor, the host of The Fantagonist, and Dave Wallace, one of the co-hosts of Dave and Darm Demystify, two podcasts in the contrarian new media family. Here's what they see going on. Hey, Lou. Great question. What's changed in banking? Maybe I can answer that specifically in digital banking over the last six months. I think the biggest change is what I call the rate of compliance to the digital duh list. 25 items that every financial institution needs to be doing to optimize their digital channel. Six months ago, 70% of the organizations we looked at couldn't even get a B grade on the duh list. Now, that number is down to 60%. There's a digital storm. People are doing lots of work and they're doing it quickly. This digital transformation will continue and the duh list will continue to see which are the dogs and which are the digital innovators. One of the things with COVID we're seeing is that people are not going into branches, like branches are for distressed visits only, and people are using digital. So if the only place that banks can do business with their customers is within the digital channels, those digital channels need to behave in a different way to the way they're currently doing because people like you have very different expectations about what their experience is. So what you're seeing is people like Amazon with Amazon Go where you can actually walk into a retail outlet, pick up something and walk out again, starting to solve some of the problems that you're actually talking about. That's a retail operation solving potentially banking problems, you know. And I think this is where it's going to get interesting in terms of the kind of industry itself. Now, here's John Finley of Lemonade XP. John was one of the highest rated guests I ever hosted on a previous podcast. And in fact, one of those people who convinced me to get off the sidelines and back into the podcast game. John knows employees and knows employee motivation. Here he talks about the frontline challenges that banks face, and you might say that a universal problem calls for a universal banker. And so the big challenge for them is they need to upskill and support their frontline staff, many of whom are working in this new environment, so that they understand all the new programs and policies and stuff that are coming out. And at the same time, they can support the digital products that the bank has for a long time wanted their customers to use, but now the customers are coming in droves and they need to be able to support them. So I think there's a big change in the way customers are doing their banking, the way they're interacting with their bank. And I think that's really changed what the bank needs to do with its people. They really need more universal bankers. They need to upskill their frontline to become advisors and they need to do so training them remotely, which I think is tricky. 
So from our perspective, that's what we're seeing. Now, with COVID-19 affecting so many lives, there is an intuitive side to banking. Jill Homan, the president of Deke Target, spoke about empathy when anchoring a podcast on women and banking, which is to date the highest rated episode in Bankadelic's history. Here, she talks about how banks in the time of COVID need to put their emphasis on trust, loyalty, and relationships. We serve 220 community banks and credit unions. So, with most things that hit us unexpectedly, first we saw readiness assessment and focus on assurance that foundational banking tasks could be accomplished. Quick digital onboarding, loan and deposit support and the like. Then, we saw FIs emerge from the shock with an intentional focus and a determination to effectively use their trust position in the community. We saw the emergence of balanced consumer communications focused on financial fitness, community messaging, and even loyalty initiatives. Product sales weren't taboo, but they had to be relevant. Today, we see financial institutions settled into the reality of an immersive digital experience. We see many moving from not just enabling digital banking, but doing it well, doing relationships well digitally. We have a saying at Deep Target, know me, K-N-O-W, or no, N-O, me. And I think that pretty much sums up today's consumer banking expectation. Now, if it is all about loyalty, relationships, and trust, how are banking consumers feeling the pinch and what can be done for them? Rochelle Naraki gori of Spring 4, an upcoming guest on Bankadelic, talks about what people who are in financial distress are feeling right now. Well, unfortunately, you know, we're six months in and I think we're really at the forefront or the beginning of seeing the consequences of COVID on people's financial health and their ability to stay current on payments. Some of our subscribers have actually been seeing a really great record of repayment. And I think that's because people received the stimulus payment. They were receiving the additional unemployment benefits, but everything is coming to a screeching halt. People are not working. We have record unemployment rates. And I really wonder how are people going to keep current on their existing payment obligations? So we're kind of worried about what this fall and this winter will mean for people, people of modest means and really every individual. I don't know any person that has not been personally affected by COVID and the pandemic. So it's very dire and we need to figure out ways to provide as much assistance for people as possible. We've made over 2 million referrals this year, which is about probably at five to six times pace of last year of what we're seeing for referrals made for financial health resources. Now, here in the Bankadelic Studios, there is an effect we can use called time compression where a sentence that would normally take this long actually accelerates to be this long, and it's very, very, very fast. It's been a little bit like that in the banking industry insofar as technology is concerned. Dan McKayley of Glia explains how. In the wake of the pandemic, business transformations that were slated to take two or three years are now taking two or three quarters. At Glia, we specialize in customer experience, and we see the rise of three trends in particular. First is digital customer service. Instead of dialing an old school 10-digit phone number, businesses are now providing messaging, audio, video banking, collaborative browsing, all from within their digital banking journeys. Number two 
is the transformation of contact centers into engagement centers. Contact centers now must handle much more complex inquiries. Instead of simple routine questions, customers are now calling in with more sophisticated inquiries because most of their questions are resolved by the self-serve journeys that banks and financial institutions are providing. And finally, AI coaches for contact center representatives. Chatbots are often thought of as customer facing, but during this pandemic, we've seen a rise of the AI coach that provides relevant customer or member information during interactions, suggests best next actions, compliance suggestions, and better training overall for employees. Well, you've all heard of Zoom fatigue at this point, right? Maybe there is such a thing as podcast fatigue. God, I hope not. But in the event that is the case, it's time to take a little break, get up, stretch, refill the Java cup. And now a word from our two sponsors that have made this special episode possible. William Mills Agency and Quantic. Bankadelic. Sponsored by the William Mills Agency. For close to 40 years, the William Mills Agency has served hundreds of companies that provide a wide range of products and services in the banking, payments, mortgage, credit union, and related markets. The William Mills Agency is the largest provider of PR and marketing services for companies that market to the financial industry. For more information, visit williammills.com. Quantic is the adaptive digital bank that offers entrepreneurs, immigrants, millennials, low-income families, seniors, and others innovative banking products and services which embrace the diversity of circumstances that exist in the lives of customers while elevating their financial strength. For more information, visit QuanticBank.com. That's Q-U-O-N-T-I-C Bank.com. bit of Nick Drake to get us back into the second half of the podcast. I love Nick Drake because his music is all at once somber and bright. And that seems like a perfect description of the time we are in now. And I don't use the word perfect very often, but what else are you going to say when one day offers hope and the next day offers a shocking headline? As we continue the podcast, We'll pick up where we left off. Rochelle Naraki Gori talked about the impact that COVID-19 has had on people who are up against it financially. Well, financial institutions have faced their share of crisis as well. Here, Tom Long of the Long Group talks about what happens when banks and margins and COVID-19 meet head on. Every institution has a defined capacity to absorb change and that is determined by its ability to cost shift. Today, changing consumer behavior associated with the pandemic and historically low margins are pressuring institutions. Cost shifting simply provides the financial flexibility to remain competitive. To take advantage of this opportunity, financial institutions should start 
by addressing the physical branch capacity required and the digital capability necessary to attract, retain, and develop relationships. Simply put, financial institutions that most appropriately deploy economic resources across the touchpoint platform and within branch-based advice centers will create the revenue-generating advantages to not only survive, but to thrive. Now, I'm not going to be petty, but I did coin the term the new abnormal back in March when the coronavirus first reared its ugly head. Rutger Van Fassen, the vice president of consumer lending at Informa Financial Intelligence, he uses it too, but let's just say for the sake of civility and for the sake of a great guy in Rutger, that great minds think alike. Here's what he has to say about the new abnormal. With the coronavirus, we're still in this kind of twilight zone, which is why I call the new abnormal. There isn't a new normal yet, right? We're still rethinking how we do everything, how to go out to dinner, how to shop, how to do financial transactions. And that's something that the phase we're in. And I think it's impacting consumers a lot, right? How they think about their health and how they pivot in this new abnormal phase. And so therefore, that impacts the financial services industry quite a bit, having to do things more remote through digital channels, through omni-channel, and customers also having to find their new abnormal. And now we take you from the twilight zone to the curbside pickup zone. Terry Duffy, the senior vice president and general manager, digital first software and services at NCR, talks about how the new customer experiences enjoyed during COVID will be a bellwether for banks to step up and deliver the same. The effects of the coronavirus pandemic on consumer behavior will echo for a generation and likely change how we interact with banks and also how banks choose to serve us longer term. We have long known that customers prefer to bank on their terms when they want, wherever they want, and however they want. And by and large, financial institutions around the globe have been able to give them lots of options, mobile and online banking, more self-service options through the ATM. COVID has accelerated the continued migration to alternate channels and show both consumers and banks that banking beyond the branch is easy, convenient, and ultimately consistent with how consumers interact in other industries like retail. Branches will remain, but they will become part of the ecosystem, and finding ways to join physical and digital experiences quickly becoming a differentiator for banks and a demand from consumers. Experiences like pre-ordering in hospitality or curbside pickup in retail apply in the banking world, and technology now exists to enable these experiences to our banking customers. Well, as you can likely tell, a lot has been made of customer experience in the time of COVID, both on this podcast and in the financial services world in general. But what if that experience is crap? <laughs> and that is not my word. I am quoting Brian McCarty, who leads marketing for Bano Digital at Jack Henry. And you can listen here as he talks about what consumers are demanding as a result of the merger of physical and digital worlds and why they now value relationships at the speed of need. Let's talk about customer support and the massive transformation it's going through due to the pandemic. Customer support is typically thought of as a tactical operational function. Given that everything is going digital first quickly, especially given what's going on in the world, that barrier for someone to make a change is coming down, and that tolerance for bad UX is also coming down. 
When you can open up a Capital One account in less than five minutes, you don't have to continue suffering with the crappy UX provided from your local bank or credit union. These shifts are causing more and more people into digital channels, and the volume of support questions coming in is skyrocketing. And yet, customers and members expect answers in minutes and hours, not days. The internet is real-time, and it sets real-time expectations. If I can buy now, why can't I get an answer now? The pandemic has illustrated just how limiting self-service can be. So how do we change that? Typically, banks and credit unions deflect support and provide a crappy experience that involves phone IVR or help center that's really a choose-your-own-adventure maze. That won't work. The other option is forms and emails, which is impersonal, slow, and really hard to scale. So that won't work either. So where does that leave us? It leaves us with an alternative approach that is really the best of both worlds. It's robust self-service convenience backed up by personal service on demand at the limits of that self-service. So what I'm describing is really relationships at the speed of need, which is a brand new phenomenon in banking. Think of this approach like the best chat app experience you've ever had, but having it embedded directly in your mobile banking app. It's the sweet spot of personal digital combined with convenience and quality, all packed together in one seamless product experience. Finally, I wanted to close with a response that has everything to do with where I am in life, and maybe a lot of you too. My son Christopher just started his freshman year at DePaul University, and what an unusual year it is. He looked forward to living in a dorm for the very first time, and he's still living at home, attending all of his classes by video. I wonder about what type of world Christopher and his classmates are going to inherit post-COVID, and the dire financial circumstances they'll be placed in as a result of soaring, staggering student loan debt. I talked to David Adefeso, the CEO and founder of Suchi, a mobile platform that employs artificial intelligence to help parents and students save for college. I asked him what it was like to view what was going on with the student debt crisis and what he thinks we can learn in this time of COVID. The administration has done a good thing postponing student loan payments to the end of this year and your interest payments are waived, which is great because it gives a lot of people who have lost their jobs relief. Creditors can't come after them. That's great, but it's not enough. And the reason why is we're just postponing the inevitable. And it's also not enough because this only applies to federal loans. You know, if you have a private loan, those loan collectors are still knocking on your door. And so what really needs to happen is loan forgiveness. You know, there's close to $1.6 trillion of loans that are owed by 46 million Americans. Many of these people don't have jobs. Many of them are going to be unable to pay off those loans. And in general, student loans you can't write off in bankruptcy in general. So here's, you know, where our kids are getting stuck with these things that they can't afford to pay. I would strongly encourage the administration to look into wiping out a lot of this debt for these people. Give them a fresh start. A fresh start. Isn't that what we all want after six months of enduring the novel coronavirus? Who would have thought that 200,000 Americans would have lost their lives, let alone 100,000 or 50,000? We could say we're all in this together. At this point, it feels a little like a cliche. Maybe we're all stuck in this together is more like it. Regardless, we have to see our way through to that fresh start, whenever that might be, to the day we get a vaccine, whenever that might be, to the day when financial services customers cast adrift in a world where they don't quite understand digital can get to the other side with us, whenever that might be. 
Morning is coming. We'll let Nick Drake take it out from here. Day one storm And it was beautiful A day one storm from the ground Then the night she fell And the air was beautiful The night she fell Look, see the days The endless colored ways Go play the game that you learned From the morning And now We are everywhere And now we rise From the ground See she flies She is everywhere See she flies Look, see the sights The endless summer nights Go play the game that you like From the morning Bankadelic is a production of Contrarian New Media, London, Chicago, and Austin, Texas.